Go Deep. Welcome back to GDP Go Deep, the podcast. You can find us on most forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also reach out to the cast, T.O. Big Show, Lord Fawn, Motorsports Mofo, Sturzy, Big Mikey, Astra Moon, and Sassy K. Thank you for your support, and remember, always go deep. All right, folks, welcome back to GDP. I'm John Nothing Doe. Before we get started on this podcast, I just want to remind you, we do have gear at the Teespring store. Just go to teespring.com, click in the search bar, GDP, go deep the podcast. We have t-shirts, we have hoodies, we have face masks, and we're also on another website or app, if you might have it, called Redbubble. Also look us up, GDP, go deep the podcast. We have hoodies and t-shirts there. They're just not as fancy as the ones you'll find on Teespring. But on another note, talking about fancy, I have someone that hasn't been on the show for a little while. You know, life comes and goes and uh, things happen, but nonetheless, back on the show, Lord Fawn, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Talk- talking about Dune. Yes, Dune. So you've been kind of talking to me about this and like really I'm wet behind the ears when it comes to real good sci-fi movies or yep. books. And I know that uh, this is your genre. So yep. uh, let's, let's go deep. Okay, Dune. Probably, okay, so published in 1965 by <sighs> Frank Herbert. Okay, okay. Um, the most successful science fiction series ever written. Yep. Um, the most published science fiction book ever written. And if anybody does like a top five or top ten most important science fiction books of all time, this is always in the top five. Like, no matter what. It doesn't matter what critic or anywhere. You can put some books on, take some books off. Everybody always has this book in their top five. What is it place for you personally? Well, probably my my number one wow. um, book. Yeah. See, I have certain books that I call my five-year book that every five years I just have to read. Okay. Um, so this is on one of my five-year books, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? That's on my top five sci-fi books, and I have to read that. That's by Philip K. Dick, and that created Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. That's also, why it sounds familiar. Yeah, also uh, directed by uh, Denny Arcan. He's going to be directing Dune, the new Dune uh, film. So yeah, this is every five or six years, I just reread this. I've been reading it since I was in high school. So uh, what's special it, about this particular book that makes you have to dive back in every five years or less? Well, this is what's so interesting. The story isn't really new. The story is like really basic. It's basically there's a galactic empire. There's the head of the galactic empire. He's the emperor. You have planets that are broken up in a feudal system. So you have like dukes and barons and earls. And basically the emperor rules the galaxy because he has the biggest, baddest army. Uh, he doesn't like that one of the the dukes, Duke leader Atreides, he's creating his own sort of army. So this emperor kind of schemes back, back and forth to wipe out all the Atreides. He does, except for the main character, Paul Atreides and his mother. Okay. They go underground, they raise an army, they overthrow the emperor. That's the basic storyline. So from what I was reading on the comments, if, if you will for one second, yeah. indulge me. They, uh, there was one person in the comment, the movie or the adaptation movie from 1984 on YouTube, and he basically was saying that this is basically Star Wars for adults. Yeah, that's 
yeah, like when Star Wars came out, people of my age, my generation, that was the big sci-fi action adventure. And it's a similar storyline. You know, Luke Skywalker is the, uh, the orphan, you know, overthrows the Empire. You know, it's it's very similar storyline. This is the problem with this podcast. I've been trying to figure out how to talk about this book. And I can literally explain all five books of the Game of Thrones easier than I can this one book. Wow. Yeah. The more you read it, the more you can really get something out of it so have uh, you noticed that every time you read it there's just something you kind of glossed over that you kind of like were like oh i didn't really put that together well definitely like the um the author was very frank herbert was very influenced by carl Jung and um freud he was very much there's themes not just in dune but also in some some of his other books like the the Jesus Makers and the Lazarus, the Lazarus Effect, I think it's called, where there's like heavy, heavy influence on heroes and how destructive heroes can be to society. That um, makes sense. Yeah, because this main character becomes kind of like self-aware. And he okay. knows that when he overthrows the empire, his rule will be ushered in from a massive, basically, civil war where millions across the universe will die. Because he has to bring everybody under his his thumb as the new emperor. Yeah. So there's elements of uh, distrusting heroes. Frank Herbert mixed in religion, politics, economics, universal trade. It's just there's so much to it. So that's what I would really want to talk about is all the things that I'm not sure the, the, the movie will be able to kind of go through. Because I've even heard that the movie is split up into two, kind of like Kill Bill, volume one, volume two. Well, that would make sense, right? Because it's easier to be able to put a lot more information and story into two instead of just trying to drown you out in one big wallop. Well, yeah, and like the book even has an appendix where you go through, like, because he created a whole language. I mean, he didn't, it's not like he created a language like Tolkien. Tolkien actually created a, a full language, but I don't know where to start, so. So let's just start from the beginning. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so as I said before, there's an emperor yep. of the known universe, and he has the biggest army called the Sardaukar. And nobody knows where the Sardaukar come from. So he is able to control the universe that way. You have the different houses, the major houses, the minor houses. You have a Landsrad, which is kind of like a United Nation. You have a, um, a trading group that sets the prices for everything in, in the known universe called the Choam Company. It's an anachronism for, I'm not going to try and define it, but there's <laughs> the Choam Company. They, they set the price for everything. And it's set about something like 20,000 years in the future of Earth. So humanity has gone out. They've been able to survive and figure out how to travel space. So they've gone out. But the thing is, there's all these backstories that you have to look through the appendix for. There was an event in the universe called the uh, Butterland Jihad, where there was a great war against thinking machines, where the thinking machines almost ruled humanity throughout the universe. That's almost like a Matrix background right there. Yeah. So humanity survived so in the book there's no computers it's everything's like super low tech there's no ray guns like star wars because everybody has like personal force field and if they're they call them las gun if the las gun hits the shield then it creates a, a massive explosion so everybody fights with sword daggers well that humanity. makes it a little more interesting well this is where things get really crazy um the more you read it you see how kind of deep this book is because then you have a whole series 
areas of humanity that have trained their minds to become living computers and they're mentat and the mentat organization will attach themselves to certain houses so they know histories they know math they know economics they're the master assassins of the universe because they know poison um, they know military strategies they know all about intrigue so each house has a mentat okay and then the next crazy thing is that you have a, an order of women called the Bene Gesserit and they're kind of the religious arm of the universe and, and they are like the concubines they are political advisors and this is where things start to really get crazy because they have the ability to see within themselves and if they become reverend mothers they can then communicate with different reverend mothers from their line of succession huh. yeah, yeah so they have a breeding program that has been taking place for like a thousand years where the, because they're the concubines they can select different lineages to create the male version of the Bene Gesserit oh wow and that starts to key into the main storyline wow that does take you for a bit of a mind trip like when you put it well but just that as like, okay, well, this is the beginning. Well, yeah, I'm just scratching the surface. And that's the thing about this book that's just so hard for people to kind of wrap their heads around because it's a very basic story. And again, you have like the emperor, you have the Landsrad, which is a council of planets. You have the main house, which are the Atreides, and they can trace their lineage back to ancient Greece. And the thing is, is his mother is a reverend, is a Bene Gesserit, so she's one of the order. So she's been manipulating the bloodline of the Atreides to produce the perfect male person, which is uh, the female version. Uh, sorry, the male version of the Bene Gesserit. Yeah. Uh, this, I know it's just hard to follow. No, no, no. This sounds very interesting. It sounds... Like it, it sounds like this is something that I definitely need to sit down and like intake because when I watched the trailer and I even watched a couple minutes when you were kind of like telling me this is what you want to talk about, I did see the resemblance of Star Wars, but I also seen something a lot deeper than what I've experienced in any other movie. Well, and then this is the crazy thing, and I keep on saying that the Bene Gesserit they can alter their bodies to either create a male or a female embryo, so they control their bloodline. And everything in the known... You oh, sorry. Space travel is done by the guild members, and they are humanity that have evolved themselves through a certain drug. And the drug is only found on one planet in the entire universe, which is Dune, the name of the book. What does this drug do to these guys? Well, it's called the Spice Melange. And what it does to everybody is that it prolongs life in certain people, it makes them self-aware. The more you eat it, the more you take of it, the more addicted you become to it. So it has to be just in your food for your daily life. But the guild members take it to such degree, like they OD on it, to the point where they become self-aware and they can navigate through space. Wow. Yeah, and it's only found on Arrakis, which is controlled by the emperor. And Arrakis is a desert planet. Not a drop of rain all year will ever fall on Arrakis. And it's the most inhospitable planet in the known universe to the point where there's sandworms that are like five, ten kilometers long. Jesus. And they're, they're almost completely indestructible. And they're attracted to rhythm. So if you walk in the desert, it will bring sandworms to kill you. I wonder if this is where they got the idea for sandworms and Beetlejuice. Yeah. 
yeah, that's I'd never even thought of. I, I mean, obviously, I would have thought of that. But yeah, those are the <laughs> the, the worms from Mars. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh my god. Yep. And the thing is, so the storyline: you have the Atreides who are building their own army. The Emperor schemes with his Mentat, who's a master assassin, to create an espionage where the Atreides' sworn enemies, the Harkonnen, kind of cause their downfall. So the Emperor's in control of Dune. The Harkonnens are in control of Dune. He kicks the Harkonnens out of Dune, puts the Atreides in place. So now they are basically in charge of the most important planet in the universe. This and then they backstab them and wipe them all out. Jeez. And Paul Atreides and his mother, the concubine of Leto Atreides, are found by the indigenous race of Dune, the Fremen. And they live in vast numbers on Dune and have found a way not only to trick sandworms so they don't get killed, but also harness them and ride them in the battle. Jesus, I'm afraid of them already. <laughs> yeah, and the book, I mean, the Fremen mine their own spice, and okay. secretly they pay off other planets and the Spacing Guild not to put satellites over a racket, so they are completely hidden. Oh. Nobody knows that these are like end up being the most ruthless fighters in the universe that destroy the, the Emperor's army, the Sardaukar. That's pretty intelligent when you put it into perspective, right? Yeah, and well, and this is what Frank Herb really wanted to look at like he was really really invested in environmental issues so he looks at the mining of spice on arrakis to be oil distribution for like planet earth like oil controls everything basically where we live now oh yeah shipping containers flight you know gasoline for our cars everywhere so trucks to move your produce yeah yeah and there's this whole religious element of the Bene Gesserit. They, and this is just the first book. I think there's six in this series. Do you read all six of the series in, in the same fifth year? No, no, no. I haven't reread the series at all. You only have to read the first book. The first book is Dune. Then it's uh, Dune Messiah. Then it's uh, Children of Dune. And then I think it's Heretics of Dune. God Emperor Dune. And that's a crazy book. And then the last book, he was kind of really running out of steam. And it was published uh, just after he died, actually, um, where he really got rejuvenated. And that one's called Chapter House Dune, where a group of uh, Bene Gesserit that had been in exile for thousands of years come back. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's just everything in this book, like the more I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to talk about the, the elixir of life, I think it is. Like even the Bene Gesserit, to become a reverend mother, they have to drink the bile, the dying baby worm that is only found on one planet. Jeez. Yeah. And if they drink it and they change their metabolism to make the, the poison uh, no longer poisonous, then they become the Reverend Mother. But if they can't, then they die. And that's what the main character, Paul Atreides, has to do. He has to take uh, taste the water of life. That's it, the water of life. And he's able to transmit it and turn it from the ultimate poison into being redundant. I mean, imagine if you, if you were actually faced with something that grave. It's like, well, <laughs> if you can manage to do this, which is nearly impossible, it's no problem. You'll be able to do what you need to do. If yeah. not, you're... Uh, We'll see in the sand, bud. Well, there's there's lots of that in the book. It's like, you know, you either survive or you die. Or Anyway, it's 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 a brilliant book. And even in the book, there's a, in the appendix, there's like something like 15 pages that he wrote just on the ecology of Dune. Hmm. It's, uh, there's the uh, the planetologist, the royal, uh, the emperor's planetologist is this guy named Liet Kind, who works for the emperor, but he's gone native. So he's a Fremen. So okay. he's scheming to, with the, with the Fremen, to 
to gain control over their planet and slowly turn it into a lush green living planet. So basically like terraforming it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they have all these prophecies. Paul Atreides fit the prophecies that had been put in place like a thousand years beforehand by the Bene Gesserit when they were out feeding their propaganda throughout the universe. And as Paul Atreides become more and more self-aware, he can see different futures and he knows that there's going to be a jihad in his name. And in the movie, they've changed it to crusade. Well, they don't yeah. use the word jihad anymore. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Why that would have been removed. Yeah. But I'm really, I'm, I'm really excited to see the movie. You saw the trailer. Yeah. You recognized uh, Dave Batista. Yep. So he plays a character named the Beast Raban, and he's a nephew of the Baron Harkonnen, the sworn enemy of the of the main family. Okay. And they are an industrialist group where they just go from planet to planet and basically just rape it for natural resources. And their main planet is called Getty Prime, where it's such an it's just made out of steel and plastic. I was going to say it just pumps diesel into the um, atmosphere, so they're pale. Like they don't see the sun. They can, they can't handle sunlight. Wow. And they're in charge of Dune at the beginning of the the book. What is one thing about dune because i know with me there's you know there's certain things i just love but what is the one thing that just drives you like up the wall that you wish that had never occurred in the book there isn't okay that's fair Uh, like i said it's one of the most amazing sci-fi books i think i've ever read what i didn't like is is the series afterwards so the Um, continuation yeah some of it got like really kind of esoteric there's a uh, a number of characters in the book that kind of mentor the the main character paul atreides and one of them is uh gurney halleck no uh gurney halleck is one and the other one is this guy named duncan idaho who dies within the first maybe 50 pages of the book boiler um (laughs) throughout the series what they do is they have his dna and there's a group where we're not i'm not sure if they're actually evolved human or their life in the universe but they're the talaxio and they're um, from the planet x or nine okay and what they do is they grow body parts so they're able to regrow duncan idaho and they bring him back in the rest of the series to kind of give comfort but also torment the main character so do you feel like that kind of cheapens it when they brought him back well it just became like really esoteric because he's such a important character that you barely hear anything about it really leaves you up to the imagination about what this character really should be because every time they bring him back in the other books he's killed and i think they bring him back in god emperor doom where the main character is son of paul atreides and he actually turns himself into a living thinking sandworm wow yeah it's bizarre it's really it's but when you read it, it kind of makes sense because if some, he has appendix in the back of the book. But there's a uh, sections almost like he's written essays on the propaganda arm of the Bene Gesserit. The Reverend Mothers has sent like all these prophecies out into the universe that they use within for, for their own gain. It's kind of like giving themselves an insurance policy if they're ever stuck in a hostile area of the universe. They know which prophecies or myths has been sent out there and they use it to their advantage. Interesting. Oh yeah. No, the book the book is and again, this is just the first book and everything surround the trade of spice. If they don't have spice, then they cannot travel space. If they don't have spice, the emperor, who's something like a thousand years old, it's prolonging his life. It's keyed into food. It's keyed into the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, it's hard to kind of keep track of all the bizarre stuff that this guy put in this book. And as you read it, 
if something doesn't make sense, you can just look up the definition at the back of the book. I read it, I think, when I was about 17, 16 or 17. I'm 48 now. Quite a distance. Now, yeah. with the idea of them redoing the movie, mm-hmm. what scares you about that? Because I know for me, I'm like a, a purist when it comes to certain movies, and I just hate when they try to make something their own when it's something that has too much of a cult following. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, good point. I think he's going to be sticking as close as he can to the novel. Like he was a he was a big fan, from what I understand, the, the director of it. Yeah. Um, Denny Arcan was a, a big fan of the original book. But this isn't the first time. It's actually the third time they've either tried to make it, or they've they've either attempted to make it, or they have been successful. So the movie's coming out. It was supposed to come out now. It's going to be coming out. I don't know whenever this zombie plague is over. Um, <laughs> in the eighties, I think. It was 1980, 1980 or 1981 or 82. David Lynch did a version of it and he ran out of money. The financing kind of fell through so he wasn't overly happy with the final product and it's more of a, a cult following. I love it. But talking about whether people can be faithful or not, there was even a, 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 an earlier attempt by this Spanish surrealist director and there's a great documentary on it called Alejandro's I think it's Elahan. The guy's got one of these really long Spanish, amazing names that I can't pronounce. But that's a crazy documentary because him and this French artist Mobius planned out everything. And um, it got shut down just before they were doing pre-production. But it had Mick Jagger, David Carradine, Orson Welles, Salvador Dali was in it. Um, He was playing the Emperor. Orson Welles was supposed to play the, the Baron Harkonnen, who is so overweight he floats around on these hovering suspenser devices that make him float and he had this completely surrealist look to it and when it got shut down the main artist went back to doing comics then the the graphic artist was Giger he ended up winning academy awards for Alien he did all the um, oh, I Alien. Love Alien oh yeah he did he did all the artwork for that anyway that's a great documentary I, I mean I wish I wish that had been made but he had actually deviated away from the storyline near the end of it but it's it's an incredibly dense book david lynch kind of moved away from the storyline he had to because he could only make like one movie and he had support from herbert as well the author do you think maybe if they would have done it a little bit differently in terms of breaking it up that it would have been able to make enough money to finance its second one and maybe get more financing from the producers probably no i mean it was a standalone movie and it was dino de Laurentiis who also produced conan he did Dune. He did tons of movies. He actually passed away and it was his daughter that finished the financing for it. But I I don't think that they could have done more than just the one movie at the time. And I I love the movie. I love the David Lynch film. It's one of my favorite films. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But even they knew that they had to deviate away from some of the background storyline, but they did a great job of it too. So knowing that there's like an appendix that kind of like has different explanations, you could probably make movies or spinoffs. Yeah. That would kind of like work with these movies. So it would be like almost like a TV show and they'd be like, well, the movie's coming in theaters, but like boom, boom, boom. There's all these spinoffs that you want to probably watch so that you'll understand more about the movie as it goes along. Yeah, well, they did a miniseries called Frank Herbert's Doom, and it was, I would say, about 95% accurate to the to the whole series. They also did Dune Messiah, and I think they did Children of Dune. But the, the budget wasn't all that great. 
But the cool thing about the book, and I'm always talking about people reading books, like he just throws cool elements in there, like the Fremen, those are the indigenous people who live on Arrakis. They have a knife that's carved from the tooth of a sandworm. Wow. Yeah, and if it, it has to be kept close to your skin, and if they don't, then it just rots. It's it's just the stuff he comes up with. He came up with something called the still suit, where every Fremen wears a bodysuit that absorbs your sweat and your urine, and as you walk, it puts it, it pumps through filters where you can drink it. Huh. Yeah, and they have like, depending on how deep into the desert you go, you have like a, a head cap, you have a, a cape that allows you to blend in with the sand, and they can actually outthink the sandworms. What are the, the things sandworms attached... are like massive. Sorry, sorry, What was? what's the thing that's attached to their nose, almost like a... Uh breathe apparatus well they, they breathe in through their mouth and out through their nose because it, this bodysuit even captures the humidity of breathing out so that captures when you breathe out through your nose this nose plug absorb your own body's moisture as you breathe out that's very interesting yeah and the spice the cool thing about the fremen is they all have blue eyes with blue blue within blue so we have like white around our pupils yeah they have completely blue eyes i was gonna ask you about that yeah that's from the spice addiction so if they if their eyes aren't like that then you know that they're not currently using or is it is it always blue it's always blue the emperor wears contacts that's a small thing in the book as well he wears contacts so that people don't see that he's addicted to spice and the more paul atreides eats the spice the more visions of the future he gets and he said he's going to be meeting a, a, a woman and he's going to fall in love and he sees this impending doom of a of a religious jihad that his ascendancy will bring apart bring about to the universe and millions will die and it's just the themes of it you know the distrust of elected officials, the distrust of, of heroes, the distrust of people in power, you know, how everything in the universe kind of centered around one bit of the, the spice that comes from Arrakis. That once you get rid of that, then everything in the universe will stop. Like everything. So you have the, the Spacing Guild. They've been for thousands of years hoarding spice because they know that's their fuel. And they have visions of what will happen if Paul Atreides becomes the emperor. And it's just a brilliant book. I mean, I can't even... Well, obviously, I know that you're trying to tip tiptoe around any kind of spoilers and I'm sure anybody that's listening that hasn't watched Dune would appreciate that. So I, I can understand and appreciate how hard it is to try to explain something that you love so deeply and to be detailed, but when you can't say, like, you know, the main talking points because you're afraid of ruining it for somebody else. Well, and the other thing is, if, you know, when people listen to this, God, I hope they listen to it. I mean, they're going to sit there and go, like, what is this guy babbling on about? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. storyline is... is you know, really basic. I don't want to spoil too much, but this is already blowing up on YouTube. I, I mean, can see that. If anybody just types in Frank Herbert's Dune, you don't have to type that. You just type Dune, and all of a sudden, I've already got like 25 different things popping up, like Dune trailer one 2020, yeah. full uh, timeline of Dune universe, 34,000 years. Well, and then it's, yeah, there's a timeline of the universe, and I've been looking up some stuff as well, and it's like, who are the Sardaukar? What is Getty Prime? What is Seleucus? Secundus. These are all these planets and ideas that this guy came up with. Like, who are the Fremen? Where did the Fremen come from? Who is the emperor of, of the universe? What are sandworms? What is a spice blow? Where does the spice come from? It's just, you know, who are the Bene Gesserit? What are the Sukh doctors? And that's the thing about, you know, great authors that I've talked about before. 
Yep. J.R. Tolkien, he came up with an entire universe in which he based a very basic storyline on, you know, a, a hero's quest. J.K. Rowling, when she wrote, you know, the Harry Potter series, she has an entire universe that she's created that she just kind of draws upon. And that's what, you know, George Martin has done with Game of Thrones. His storyline, very basic. It's based on, you know, the, uh, a history of the kings and queens of, of England and France. But he has created this massive universe universe to support like you know the in-depth creation of his imagination and that's what dune is and everything i've talked to you about is just the first book it sets the groundwork for five other books i think or four other books well, i was gonna say it sounds like they're trying to set this up for the first time to be able to go and do the, the first uh the first full movie and then be able to carry on with the series because i mean you look at other big series like star wars and game of thrones or lord of the they rings do. they have like think... that big following and they want to just continue that maybe yeah i don't think that they would do the other books because the second book is paul atreides as the emperor of the known universe and then the third book is his children and then so that was the uh, children of dune then there's heretics of dune then there's dune messiah where the guy literally turns himself into one of the giant sandworms and is aware like it's it's it gets really bizarre like it's plots within plots within plots i don't think that they would do a whole series well they could possibly just start changing the future outcomes instead of following the book so closely afterward right yeah well and the certain characters are always brought up throughout the rest of the series as i mentioned before duncan idaho comes back in in one of the other books the baron harkonnen from the first book he is he is the biological grandfather of paul atreides and he's the enemy of the Atreides. Yeah, because all this other background information and when the Lady Jessica, that's the concubine of the Atreides, Leto Atreides, the mother of Paul Atreides, she takes the water of life to transform herself into a reverend mother. She's actually pregnant with the main character's sister. Uh, yeah, sister. And because she's pregnant, not only does Jessica become a reverend mother and have access to all of the reverend mothers that came before her in her lineage, but also her daughter inside of her womb is born self-aware. She's born as an adult. Jesus, how scary would that be? Yeah, and it's she's kind of shunned by the Fremen because she has access to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Reverend Mothers before her, but she's not even hit puberty physically. It's really bizarre. Like, have I lost you? No, 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 no. That sounds very interesting. I was actually, um, while you're speaking about this, because I am getting more and more interested as you speak about this, I was looking on YouTube and I found that there's a Dune auto uh, auto book and there's mm-hmm. part one and two on one. And then there's part three on another one. And I'm just thinking about downloading it so I can listen to it on the way to work. Yeah, and it's like at the beginning of each chapter, there are sayings from the main character or sayings from a, uh, a biography of the main character written by his his royal wife. So in the end, he ends up marrying the emperor's daughter to cement his claim. But yeah. it's just a marriage of convenience. But she ends up being the biographer of Paul Muad'Dib. Anyway, you've, you've, it's one of the uh, most brilliant books, like the Emperor's legions of Sadokar, his his terror troops that he has control over the universe with. He gets his recruits from his prison planet, Seleucus Secundus. So whoever survives the prison planet is recruited by the emperor to be a general or to be just a, a, a fighter, like a warrior. So that's where he gets his troops from. And they can't use atomic weapons. They can't use computers. 
It's all with swords and knives, and if you use a body body armor on Arrakis, it drives the worms nuts, where they will go into a feeding frenzy and just attack you if huh. you have one of these personal force fields. Yeah. So the Fremen don't even have force fields. They just wear body all. armor, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's just hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. It's really fascinating, actually. I'm, I'm super glad that you brought this to my attention, because this is something... I'm definitely going to be sitting down in the next couple of weeks and just because I mean, obviously, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. I may not have a lot of time to sit down and read the book, but do a lot of driving. I could definitely use with some intergalactic overthrowing emperor kind of like space. Even a great introduction to the book, to if you want to download the audio book, is just the David Lynch film. The David Lynch film is brilliant. I mean, I really, I really, really like it. And it kind of sets up the framework to kind of understand what's coming next in the Denny Arcan film. In the David Lynch film, they, you know, the secret weapon of the Fremen is a kind of weapon built on sound. It, it didn't really, it's not in the book. It, it you know, they, they needed to compress something for the David Lynch film, but it's still works it's still pretty cool plus the the 80s band toto does the soundtrack it definitely sounds worth checking out yeah but even if you just watch the original david lynch film and then listen to like the audiobook it kind of changes how you think about uh, about it and then with the new film coming out i just can't wait yeah no kidding i can i can hear the excitement oh in your voice oh my god so like the Baron Harkonnen is this disgusting character who's so overweight. He has to kind of move around on these um, devices that helps him levitate. But his whole body is riddled with this whole series of venereal diseases. Ew. Yeah, and it was you find out in one of the later books that it was inflicted upon him by one of the Bene Gesserits while he was raping her. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's pretty it's pretty deep. That's all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty... No pun intended. Yeah, like the Bene Gesserits, they can store different poisons in their genetic makeup and then reactivate it and pass it on to people through sex. Wow. Yeah, it's... Whole new meaning to keep it in your pants. Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's my take on Dune. Well, that sounds very interesting, and I think a lot of people are also going to find that very interesting, especially in a time like this. I don't know if you realize or you're aware, but Alan Smithy came on the show the other day, and he was talking about The Mandalore. But I think he's definitely interested in doing a almost like a DC versus Marvel where it's like, you know, what what characters are similar to the next one? Who did it better? And I, and I don't think he doing it in a, like when we do do this cast is being doing it done in such a way where it's like, well, you know, I hate Marvel or I hate DC. It's kind of like, yeah, I like this guy better. I think he did it better you know, from this brand and so on and so forth. So I really hope that we'll be able to get both you guys on a show to kind of do like a top five maybe. Uh, we'll just do a big comic book geek out. Yes, why not? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Excellent. Just that's exactly what I did tonight. Just talked my ass off about Dune. <laughs> and you know what? We love you for it. As I said, it's a lot of really bizarre, abstract concept. And I just hope people are interested and maybe we'll pick up the book. Well, I think at the very least, at least pick up the audio book yes whatever it is as long as they're involved in it in some way right yeah whatever it is pick it up because if you listen to the audio book or if you read the book it'll make the movie so much more awesome i just can't wait 100 well i'm definitely going to hear the uh the audio book folks just a friendly reminder we have our hoodies we have 
long sleeve shirts we have t-shirts we have masks we have those face masks you have to pull right over your head in order to wear them they're not medical of course but you can find them at teespring.com look up gdp go deep the podcast or you can go on redbubble they have an app and look us up there gdp go deep the podcast and get your gear and support the podcast we more than appreciate that lord fawn i also appreciate you being on the show and sharing your insights on this movie and i really can't wait for you to come back again all right man we'll uh, we'll pick another topic soon sounds good brother talk to you soon all right and remember folks always go deep go deep welcome back to gdp go deep the podcast you can find us on most forms of social media facebook twitter instagram you can also reach out to the cast to big show lord fawn motorsports mofo sturzy big mikey astra moon and sassy k thank you for your support and remember always go deep